Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we're talking about how far can we go? And we got onto this topic because you look at a lot of parts of society and behavior is no longer sustainable, uh, meaning that we're taking things to such an extreme that individuals are failing, systems are failing. And we see this all over the place. So some of the examples that we've been talking about, you sent me some videos about this body positivity movement and how you have uh, some influencers on YouTube or TikTok or whatever who weigh hundreds and hundreds of pounds. So these are people who are 400 pounds, 600 pounds, even 800 pounds, talking about how there's no correlation between obesity and health. So don't shame me for being obese. Don't shame me for being fat. I'm great the way that I am. And not only that, I am healthy. Science doesn't apply. I think one person said, if science doesn't work for 60% of the population, then maybe we should change the science. So this is the mindset that we're dealing with. Of course, you fast forward in those videos and some of the influencers who are talking about this are dropping dead <laughs> because they're having heart attacks because they're not functional human beings. They've taken this to such an extreme that their hearts can't support their system. They're having cardiac issues. Uh, we already know about all the people who've died from COVID and how that's linked to different comorbidities. So that's one example of taking things to an extreme. We've got the trans movement and this idea that I can just be whatever I want based on how I feel. And not only that, but we should force other people to accept this. We should introduce these conversations into schools at a very young age. And the problem with this is that there's no limit to this either. So you brought up this point about the trans able movement and trans able movement is I feel that I'm disabled. I feel like even though I've got four limbs, that I should be missing a leg. So I'm going to find a doctor who can amputate my leg. And by the way, if you don't amputate my leg, I'm going to accuse you of discriminating against me because you're anti-trans-abled. And of course, that sounds insane. I think it sounds insane to a lot of people. But then you could argue, what is really the difference between that and this transgender movement where you're changing your body to fit a concept of, of what you think you are? So you're changing your physical appearance based on a feeling, you could take that to a logical extreme. So where does that end? Uh, we've talked about this in the context of electric cars. This entire sustainable movement, it's interesting because there's so much discussion about going green and protecting the planet, but the cost of doing that is something that people don't talk about. Uh, so in the quest to create tens of millions of electric cars, that requires mining of lithium, mining of cobalt. The conditions are horrific. People are getting paid 25 cents a day, a dollar a day, $2 a day. There are children working in some of these mines as young as five years old. Uh, they're dying because there are no safety precautions, uh, because there's tremendous amounts of pollution. Uh, this is destroying the water supply. It's destroying the local land. People are being displaced. So what costs are we willing to accept for this sustainable dream? How far are we willing to take this? Are we willing to burn up entire regions of people of land so that we can so that we can say yeah we're going green because we have so many electric cars on the road it doesn't make a lot of sense but again how far can we take this 
And the final example that I'll bring up is what's going on with Ukraine. Uh, we keep on escalating that situation. And it started out as, okay, we're going to provide some support, but non-offensive weapons to Ukraine. And now the level of U.S. involvement and support has escalated. Now we're providing tanks. Russia has come out repeatedly and said that you're escalating and this is going to have grave consequences, but no one really seems to care. And maybe it's a bluff. It could certainly be a bluff. But why take that risk? Why go the escalation route and just keep on going and going and going? Why do you want to figure out how far you can take this? Because if you figure out how far you can take this and you hit that line, then suddenly the consequences are catastrophic and we end up in a nuclear war. Uh, so it's kind of a weird time for that reason, Z, uh, that we've got a lot of society which just seems to be out of control, uh, that there doesn't seem to be a limit on how far we can take particular ideologies. And I think this is true of any ideology. So any idea that we have about life or about health or about relationships, there has to be some boundary around that. If you take that to an extreme it no longer works. And we've talked about this in the context of Buddhism, that we should be following that middle path. We can veer a little bit off center. We can go a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left. But we want, never want to be all the way on one side or all the way on the other side, uh, because that means that we're doing things that probably aren't sustainable. They're going to put us in conflict with other people. They're going to lead to, to a breakdown of our relationships, our health, and, and so forth. So talk us through this, Z. It, why it, why has this become an issue? I mean, have we always been moving in this direction towards things that are less sustainable? It, when did it become okay to ignore limits and, and just see how far we can take these things? It's a gradual, it was a gradual creep. And again, we always start this knowing why are we even having this discussion? Because we live in a world that is um, very challenged right now. For those of us who are opting out and trying to be healthy, we want to really be aware of the pathogens that we're exposed to, not only viruses that you can breathe in, uh, corrupted foods that you could eat, but also mindsets that can really find you on a slippery slope of being part of the problem. I was talking to a young man the other day and I was just having to tell him, land is not that expensive in certain areas, but the, the, the trick is you have to get land away from people, away from the hordes, right? Peyton, we were talking about the other day, and John and I, John Kay and I were all sitting here looking, and there's actually land in somewhat rural areas that are just uh, outside of the dense population. I sent, Vin, I sent you the rat study, the experiment that look at rat behavior once there's too many rats in a certain area. To me, they use that as a model of human interaction. We got to get away from being around too many people. Um, why? Because we don't like people? No, it's because... In the normal course of daily survival, nurturing and cultivating the intellect takes a backseat to survival. Then what you have is a propagation of ignorance. Then you're around a lot of ignorant people. Maybe not bad people, but ignorant people. That's where the problem starts. Those people are easily guided, cajoled, buy into things that are really bad. So if we look at sustainability and, and, and when we've gone too far, I think about, let's say, the surgical interventions that people are electing to have that have now violated the concept of, for doctors of do no harm. 
So we can go way back. I remember a woman telling me <clears throat> that there was a certain community in Philadelphia that upon a certain age, when the girls became 16, they would all get nose surgery, rhinoplasty. At 16, she told me, I said, really? Yeah, it was, this was a woman, an older woman. She said, yeah, we all got nose jobs at 16. That was one of the things you did on your 16th birthday. I said, I've never heard of something like that. Why? Why are you all getting nose jobs? What the, what is a nose job? Why? Well, someone had sold them a bill of materials and said there was an ideal kind of nose that everybody should have. And I said to the doctors, well, it, there are certain doctors, that's all they do. Then they changed the term to deviated septum and, and then the plastic surgery started getting pretty out of control. Then they started doing the boob jobs with the silicone and come find that silicone wasn't compatible with the body, but it's supposed to be better than the saline. And oh, by the way, women who get cancer and things like that, which, hey, great idea, you get cancer or you get burned or something, you want to rebuild your body so it can function better, and you put these implants in your body, and that's a great thing, that's great. But now you're doing it just for shits and giggles, and now it's leaking and dripping in your body, then you got the BBL. You see, so it was a slippery slope. Now it's fat. Now it's what, Caitlin? What does that do? The whatever this muscle is this a muscle right here? Yeah, the mastoid process. Yeah. So now they're getting this removed. So that way they're getting the muscle out of their mouth removed. Why would you want to do that? That looks like a bird. Yeah. Looks like a rat sucking water. It's, what? It's what they want. Okay. So know. anyway, yeah, Kaylin, this is. So this is what I'm saying. You keep following that path, and it's too much. And and then you then we could. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Caitlin just showed me. So now there's a surgery so you can look like a rat. And this is, you had to buy into this. And this is why I tell our folks, we're opting out. I'm okay with me. I'm okay with you. I don't need to, exp to spend money and resources and energy on making my face a rat face. Okay. So be happy with who you are. But let me get back on track. So I think we get off track when we start to create, again, certain narratives. And, 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 and a lot of time it's the intellectual, the pseudo-intellectual. We try to make sense of stuff. Because <clears throat> I've gotten in conversation with really smart people. And you realize after the conversation they were explaining something to you. And you walk away kind of scratching your head, but you're shaking your head. You want to go along. You go, yeah, yes, it seems okay. It seems, I get where you're coming from. Then you think about it. You say, no, that was just bullshit. That was the most insane thing I ever heard. How did I go along with it? Because I think part of us is the ego wants us to be intellectual. We want to understand. We want to listen. But sometimes you just have to say, no, nah, yeah, but no. Sometimes you just have to say, yeah, but no. So when they, we, I, I sent you the thing, Vin, about these people who were, uh, have BMIs of 50 and 60, which I didn't know was possible, and they're dying and they're going through all this kind of stuff, but they're still saying that they're outliers, that though they can barely move, they're actually very healthy and happy. I said, you might be happy, but you're not healthy. And you want the whole world to then conform to you. It's the same thing with whatever the, 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 the gender things, the sexual things, when we took that out of the arena of being your private business and now it's become public forum 
it becomes a bizarre show. It's like you're watching this old movie star named Divine who would eat shit on stage and as part of their show. So now this has been normalized, accepted, and then we don't know where does it go next. Let's just think, where does it go next? So when we get from body positive to various types of surgical intervention and pharmaceutical intervention into morphing you into whatever the whim you have, it doesn't stop. And for those, those of us who are opting out, we have to move away from it because when you find yourself doing kind of reason and logic gymnastics to make sense of things that you shouldn't make sense of, and then for those of us who have youngsters that we love and adore and people in our life that we're trying to help nurture them into a, uh, a, a somewhat healthy human being, we have to face all of this too. We have to weed through all this, sort through all this. So I would say to go to your question, we you said, when did, we, when did it go off the rails? Well, it went off the rails a long time ago and there was no way to put it back on rail. And it doesn't affect one side of the aisle, as they say nowadays. It is not a progressive or conservative view of things. And the point I make is like this. Right now, we're having a, a rash of shootings from all groups. So the, uh, the so-called model minorities are exploding. And we've had three incidents in California. I don't know what's going on in the rest of the country. Uh, they are older Chinese man shooting up people. You had an Indian guy driving his family off a cliff. Uh, people can't take it anymore. Um, that's not working. It's gone too far. The suppression of the genuine self has now created a toxicity that's erupting in violence. This is what happens to humans. We want to always look at ways to keep ourselves healthy and well and fine and be self-realized. If there's a low interest in self-realization, you're going to be a, you're going to see a high social effect of explosive behavior. And then the more that we are permissive in our own personal life of whatever you want to do is fine without looking at consequence, causality, um, and, and the unintended consequences, we're going to find more and more of this unsustainable interaction. We live in a world that there is no longer right or wrong. We have to ask, can I keep doing it? It's not right or wrong anymore to, let's say, beat your wife. The question is, how, when will she fight back? So we don't look at any, we, we're not allowed to, by cultural norms now, of saying something is right or wrong. We weigh everything now. We weigh it and go, hmm, I don't know. Let's see, hmm. And that's okay to do, but we have to know at what point when we got to say, yeah, yeah, but no, this, has, this, this isn't cool. And it's not going to be a mass it's not going to be a, a way that the masses come together and, and agree upon things. Those days are over. We won't agree upon anything. Just because of the nature of our culture now is to be disagreeable. We don't live in an agreeable culture. Those virtues and features don't exist anymore. It's going to be, it, it, we can't tolerate it. It's going to go to the point where this doesn't work. We're going to have more mass shootings, right, within inner cities, shopping malls, and groups. So, don't go to these places. Back away. Move, move in a more rural area. Visit the city, but don't lounge around the city. Come to the city with your motor running. That's the attitude you should have. 
I'm going to go to these places, but I'm going to keep my motor running. I'm going to keep my eyes open. I'm going to keep my head on the swivel. And if I want to relax and be in a peaceful environment, I'm going to create that for myself and my people and people in my community. I'm going to opt out of this. Because we've already gone beyond that. And it seems little things. The acceptance of all manner of behavior. Where does it end? When does it get to the point where simply thrill killing is it a behavior we want to try to understand? And we think that's outrageous, but I read psychological journals and they have wording now that's making almost any manner of behavior, behavior categorized and normalized. Once we start giving it categories, the next is to normalize it. And that's what we're doing. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, it's interesting to me, uh, and I want to talk a bit about the cost of this tendency. So what happens when you don't have any limits? And I'll talk about it from a personal standpoint, and uh, then I'm curious when you see day-to-day, because you're working with so many different people. Uh, But I look at my kids, and it's interesting if I, I just watch the different activities that they participate in, the holidays and what goes on around the holidays, the way their grandparents treat them, uh, the parties they go to, it's like all these social interactions are set up to pump the kids full of sugar. So they get the cupcakes, they get the cookies, they get the snacks, uh, which one is bad for their health. Two, it means that they can't manage their emotions, which is difficult to do to begin with. Just trying to get them to sit down and concentrate and focus Uh, when they've got sugar running through the system, they're that much less likely to pay attention. They get a lot more irritable. So that's problem number one. Uh, Then you uh, look at all of the things that they get. They get so many presents. There's so much stuff that's either bought for them uh, that uh, we buy for them or uh, they get for birthdays or uh, they get at the holidays that our, our house no longer functions. It's the weirdest thing. It's like they've got so many stuffed animals that they can't sleep on their bed. <laughs> now they're curled up in this small space because there's stuffed animals all over the place. And I talk to them and say, look, we got to get rid of some of this stuff. And it's like, no, no, it's huge protests because they're so used to having all this. Uh, they're sleeping on this, which isn't good for their back. I'm trying to get them to, to focus. They can't focus because uh, they're watching too much TV or they've got too much screen time on the iPad uh, since they, they spent some time with their relatives. So that's another problem. Then I want them to do work, uh, but there's no room. Uh, There's physically not enough room because they got so many toys and books which are cluttering up the desk. Uh, There's not enough room to put the chair under the desk for them to sit down. There's no room for them to put a sheet of paper down so they can write. So now they're sitting at the dining table and they're trying to write on top of a tablecloth, uh, which is harder to do. And there are more distractions because they don't have enough peace. Uh, It's not like we live in some massive house. We've got an apartment in New York City. So if people aren't sitting in their own space, then you got all kinds of craziness because we've got a nine, seven, and four-year-old. So someone's always running around doing something. And so I look at this and I'm like, the culture that we've set up, the stuff that we're buying into, it's making our kids unhealthy in terms of their diet. It's destroying their attention span. It's going to give them posture problems. And it's preventing them from sitting down and learning something so they're going to grow up stupid. But everyone's doing this with a big smile on their face. Like, oh, I love the kids so much. I'm going to give them a treat. I'm going to take them out for ice cream. 
Uh, I'm going to buy them one more thing. I'm going to get them this massive stuffed animal squishy that they've been looking at. Or I'll buy uh, some dollhouse or fake kitchen where we don't have any room for this. And then we try and take it away. And it's like uh, some some crisis that we have to deal with. So I, I look at that Z as kind of a, a microcosm. Uh, because you can almost see this very clearly. You can see it as a system, and you, you can very clearly see the cause and effect if you choose to. A lot of people probably don't pay attention to this, and this is just what it is. But I've become more attuned to this, and I can see all of the steps leading up to the problems. So when we're dealing with the kids, and there's some behavior issue, or they're not focused, or they're in a bad mood, it's not just what's happening in that moment. I can see all the steps leading up to it, uh, the impact of what they've eaten, uh, whether they've gotten exercise or not, uh, whether uh, they uh, were able uh, to do something productive or they've had too much screen time, which has messed up their mind. Uh, so it, what I'm trying to do in my own house is to redesign this system. And, and actually, exactly what we started this, this podcast talking about, how far can you take things? Uh, my whole thing is I got to put in some limits. I mean, we have to have some control. It could be because things are spinning out of control. So we need controls around screen time. Uh, we're just going to eliminate it for a good portion of the week. Uh, we need controls uh, so that uh, there's actually room where people can sit down and have dedicated space. Uh, so we're going to clean that up. Uh, we're going to stop buying things. We're going to stop having, uh, there's too much temptation if we have cookies and treats in the house. So we're going to stop buying those things. Uh, and that sort of thing, it's interesting because it's taken me a while to get to this point. And I, I think it's taken me a while because I've had this idea, Z, that I, I've been a little bit reluctant to impose my view. You know, I'd say, I don't want to be the dictator in the family. And uh, maybe it's the sense of wanting to appease everyone and appease my wife. But it got to a point where I was like, we can't function this way. So I've got to take control and I've got to put the limits in. Otherwise, my kids are going to grow up insane. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, Vin, it, I gotta, it's horrible. We're I got to jump in with you on that. As I'm, I'm picturing this, I hope everybody can picture this. So we have, we have lived a, uh, progressively lived in a world with no, with no channeling. No, how do you describe it? It's, it's almost like the pendulum switch from authoritarian to no authority. Everybody's boss. Everybody's in charge. That's the world we live in now. Everybody has a say, whether you're qualified in a field or not. Um, everybody wins an award. Everybody gets a gold medal. And as I'm listening to you describing one of the, some of the challenges in our homes now is because there is nobody in charge, there's no voice of authority, there's no sacredness. You're in a dilemma where you're watching your kids become diabetic, stifled intellectually, but you as a man, and us metaphorically as a human being, you as the, the father archetype or whatever, because if you shout out or if you put your foot down like the dads did throughout history, then you're considered uh, toxic male, um, overly forceful, threatening, um, bullying. Um, let's, let's look at an, a bunch of words associated with you saying, damn it, this can't keep going on. I can't keep watching my children um, be made unable to function in this world without me. And you go, I can't take it. There's no, okay, no, I'm picturing it. No more gifts. We have too much stuff. We're going to limit our intake of sugar. We're going to eat healthy. We're going to go to bed at a reasonable time. 
and we're going to do it today. Boom, and you slam your fist down. Your kids will probably be taken away from you tomorrow. That's what we've done with the world. You become a tyrant because you want to set limits. This is where we've gotten to, but I was listening to that, Vin, and I realized we all are there. I'm there because you walk on eggs and you kind of navigate a minefield of, okay, when should I speak up? When should I take charge? And I'm speaking as, as a father, as a man, but I'm saying maybe everybody, maybe even women are going through this. I don't know where you're seeing something that is just obviously not workable. But your first instinct is to wonder, how can it work? How can I adapt? How can I change? How can I suppress myself even more to go along with everything? So you, you sit here and somebody comes, uh, people come here, and, and Caitlin's seen it every now and then, somebody will come here with maybe the blue hair, a pierced uh, eyebrow and nose, a face tattoo, um, unkept, uh, and say, hey, I, I'm a healer and I want a job here. And I'm supposed to sit there and throw away all my instincts and listen to this person who woke up on a whim one day and decided to be a clinician of some kind. But everything about them, based on my life experience, telling me that they need help themselves before they help anybody else. But you're debating in your head, are you wrong? The same way, I'm going through the same thing in my home with the kids. They have too much stuff. They don't appreciate what they have. But the drive to be part of materialism and the newest thing and the latest thing and to get this thing and to get this thing. You know, I bought uh, Drona a 3D printer for his birthday. When was his birthday? The 5th of December. It has dust on it now by the 5th of January or the second, third week in January. A 3D printer. So I'm really tired of it. I'm going to try and find some kid. Luckily enough, I found it bootleg or something on the Internet. But think about that. I never had anything like that as a child. I never had anything like that. And what I did, I made that mistake, and I became more and more, as we say, tolerant. If you become too tolerant, you have no tolerances, meaning that it defies physics, right? It just defies physics. So tolerances, and I talked about that in physics and engineering, represent the space between things so they can function. So if you have a door and you need basically a space between that door to allow that door to open and close, you want to get it just to the point where the weather conditions and so forth, whatever the expansion of the wood in the door, the door can still open and close smoothly. But it also doesn't let wind and heat out of the house. It doesn't let wind in and heat out of the house. So you need a small clearance, right? That's tolerances. It can't be too much. It can't be too little. If it's too little, the door doesn't open. If it's too much, the door is just not even a door anymore. You understand what I'm saying? So too with everything in life, there are the limits and tolerances, the weights and measures of things. And for some reason, we've slowly let go of all of that, and we are catering more to the whims of feelings and emotions as opposed to the physics of life, the exchange and dynamics of life, right? 
it's like the scriptural things that talk about the end of times, that in the end, we can't distinguish, there's no, that will be indistinguishable. Male and female, indistinguishable. Intelligent and ignorant, indistinguishable. Uh, heroes and villains, indistinguishable. Right? Courage and cowardice, indistinguishable. Right? And so that's where we're at. And for those of us who understand this, again, we encourage people to withdraw from this because you can't beat it head on because it, it morphs too much. You're punching at air. So you have to find a clear space to exist. I talked to one of my dear students and showed how nice it was to live in a rural area, how her child is flourishing. Then I talked to somebody who moved into the city and they're just troubled. I'm trying to, I have to go to the school every day and deal with issues with my kids. I deal with that. We're always running around dealing with bizarre issues with the schools and your kids because everything is tolerated. Everything is tolerated. Till, again, like I said, there is no boundary anymore. So as I think about us living in our homes and you find your home so cluttered with possessions, but yet no one's happy. You always think if you buy this pair of shoes or this pair of socks, you'll feel better, but you don't. It's like what my little one says, I like getting stuff more than I like having stuff. So we've crossed a certain point, a break point. And for those of us who are thinking about it, we, we want to really kind of rewrite our course. We want to go back and, and, and get our registers together. It's okay to have boundaries and limits. It's okay to um, be frugal in your energy. Um, it's okay to limit your interactions with people. It's okay to push back against nonsense, things that don't work for you. Not everything is okay. You follow me, Ben? Yeah, I'm reflecting on this a little bit. I think part of it is social. So we've all got this tendency to do things that other people do. And if you step back from that, I mean, if you opt out, as we've talked about, a lot of times it's it feels a little bit lonely. It's like you're not part of the crowd. Or if you don't have clarity, maybe that's the way to put it. If you don't have clarity on what you should be doing, you feel a little bit insecure. You always feel more safe just doing what everyone else does. You see this, I bring things back to finance a lot because I think finance is this interesting way of observing human emotions and, and hurting behavior. But you see this a lot of the time where it's much better to be wrong if everyone else is wrong uh, than to take the risk of being wrong alone, even if you think that you should go in a different direction. Uh, people lose their jobs because they're wrong when everyone else is right. But if you're wrong and everyone else is wrong, then th there's a lot less risk. You'll keep your job. You'll get your paycheck. You'll keep on going out to nice dinners and so forth. Uh, so you've got this natural hurting behavior. It just feels more comfortable. It feels more safe. So I think clarity is one thing. Uh, because if you don't have that clarity, then there's just so much gravity from what everyone else is doing, from what we see around us, that we get sucked into it. And then we start questioning ourselves. Okay, maybe it's really not that bad. Everyone else is eating a lot of uh, 
birthday cake at the birthday party, but this only happens at birthdays. It's not every week. Okay, I guess it is every week. There are parties every week, but it's only on the weekends. Uh, okay, it's not really just on the weekends. It's on special occasions too, but it's not every day. And so it does become that slippery slope, but we keep on accommodating and justifying uh, so that it, essentially changing our standards so that we fit what whatever everyone else is doing. But if we have that clarity, maybe we're able to step back. So I think that's part of it, having that clarity and uh, being able to step away from the crowd. The other part of it, which is interesting to me personally, is the ideas that we've grown up with. So you mentioned, Z, this idea of toxic masculinity. And I never even thought about that until recently, because a lot of putting limits around the family also changes my relationship with my wife. It's not just my kids. It would just be my kids if I were the only one. If it were just me and them, then yeah, I could deal with them. But we're a family unit. So I've got to make sure that the entire system is working, which means that I can't just focus on my kids. Uh, I've got to make sure that my wife and I are approaching this in a unified way. Uh, I can't have her saying one thing and I'm saying another thing because the kids are mercenaries and they're going to exploit this and then everything will be chaos. And what I've realized is that I've been reluctant to come out and say either out loud or even to myself that I'm in charge of this family, that I'm the one who's making the decisions. You know, I've grown up with this idea and maybe it is this this toxic masculinity idea, Z, that you mentioned, but I've grown up with a view that everyone's got an equal voice and that it's more of a discussion and my wife and I, we have to be comfortable and we got to be on the same page so we can't push too far in one direction or the other. We just got to a point where as we're talking about, that's not working because we don't have the limits that our kids are, I mean, they're still pretty uh, fit at this point, but I don't want them growing up diabetic and stupid and sitting around playing on the iPad all day. So if I don't want that, then I got to put in the boundaries. And, and maybe it's just the reality forcing me into a situation. As we talk about, you get to a point where there's enough pain or enough discomfort and you say, I've got to reexamine my ideas about life and my ideas about relationships and how I interact. And I've changed. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I've said, fuck it. Someone's got to be in charge and it's going to be me. That's my role. I don't know if that works for all relationships. Maybe it doesn't. But in my situation, that's how it's going to be. And I'm the one who's deciding that. Our our relationships and our interactions are affected by the environment we're in too, Vin. And and I have to say, go back. Because we are intellectual or pseudo-intellectuals or strive to be bourgeois intelligentsia, whatever you term you want to use, and we're always thinking, and, and, and one of the features of a thinking person is oftentimes humility and questioning your own reality. But you have to be guarded in a sense to know that you don't want to be swayed by everything you hear. And that's where we get in trouble. You get these, now you have, you're bombarded with memes and ideas, and then you have all these other quasi-semi- somewhat intellectuals who are explaining stuff that's basically bullshit. They're explaining it. And it sounds really good, right? It's how you buy things, right? They, sit, they can pitch an idea and it sounds really good. Then it's not. It's not workable. It's not sustainable. The other day I was um, waiting for my kids at school and this little boy jumped out of the car and just darted into traffic and was, was yelling and telling his dad, fuck you, dad, or whatever it was. The kid was probably four years old. 
And then the other kid jumped out of the car and was running with the other kid as traffic was going. The father, who you could tell he had been hobbled quite a bit, he had been, uh, he had his balls in a vice. He jumps out of the car as a very primitive reaction to protecting your kids. He went, he went animal, he went rogue, he went ape. He jumped out of the car and he grabbed both of the kids by the collar, held them against, uh, prevented them from getting in traffic, and threw them in the car and started cursing. And he looked around, and this woman was holding her mouth and getting ready to pull out her phone, and I ran up to the guy and said, bro, you did the right thing. You did the right thing. You protected your kids. It's okay. And he started hyperventilating. And he was looking around because he felt like, oh, no, I'm going to get in trouble. I didn't, I, I was too manly. I, he said, man, I just felt toxic for a minute. I said, no, bro, you weren't toxic. You did what you had to do to protect your kids from traffic. And now this woman's going to judge you on how you did it based on whatever social norms or mores she was parroting. Think about what he did. His reaction, the kids, are, the kids aren't listening to him anyway because if he yells or blows up, he's a bad man, right? I don't know if anybody's ever raised kids. Kids don't have a frontal lobe. Kids will do crazy stuff. They'll stick their finger in a light socket. And now, right now, we're in a world where you, you're going to be judged not on them sticking their finger in a light socket, but how you prevented them from doing it. Should you talk to them and discuss electricity and Ohm's law and Bohr's law of thermodynamics and reason and rationalize with them to prevent them from killing themselves? And I told the young man, I said, you're okay, dude. I've been doing this father shit for over 40 years. And sometimes you just got to go off. But what people don't understand, when you go off as a father, you don't lose your temper like a lot of people think. You're kind of fed up. You've been being real patient for a long time. And when it's time to act, the lion roars. But the lion doesn't maul and maim. It roars. And people are offended by the roar of the lion. But that's what a lion does is roar. You want a lion to meow. A house cat and a lion are very different in that feature. Caitlin's frowning because she's biased towards cats. But lions don't like cats because domesticated cats are like broken men. If you hang out with a lion, if you have a lion as a pet, any day it might eat you. And you know that. And you guys have a certain agreement. You look at people who raise wild animals. They say at some point, like Siegfried and Roy, at some point the lion's going to take your head off. At some point. Because it's a lion. And if you leave it alone and respect its territory, you'll probably live your life out unharmed. But if you try to make it something it's not, it will explode on you. And so when it comes to our behavior, we're asked to be something we're not. And it creates a constant disharmony in the house. So you see your kids behaving a certain way, and people are watching the kids misbehave, but they're watching you on how you're going to discipline them. Then they come out with all sorts of mal-narratives on how you discipline your child that just creates a dysfunctional society. So the opt-outs, we opt-out, and the kids, you want to be in a place where your kids can roam and play. Kids need to be outside and play. But because it's an unsafe world, we put them in front of the, the Internet all day. 
I had an incident with my boys. I got the, 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 the now eight-year-old and the five-year-old, and they're watching some kind of internet thing, uh, Billy B or whatever it is, Blippy. They're watching some guy who, in another era, I wouldn't trust him around children. Uh, he's like a Mr. Rogers on crack, and the kids like it. I don't know what it is, but I, so I tell the little one, look, you got to turn it off. He swings at me. No, I want Bilby, whatever. He barely can talk. He's got all kind of uh, ACC thing. I want to watch Billy B or whatever it is. I said, no, dude, you're going to sit down. Ah! So I grabbed his little 40-pound butt up. I said, you're going in the room, and I'm going to lock you in a damn room until you know how to act. I set him in the room against the protestation of everybody around. I went back 15 minutes later. He was sweet as pie. Sweet as pie. I said, you understand now, right? This is how it works. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Because I'm going to fight for you, die for you. I've lost many years off of my life being your dad. I put behind me a lot of fun so that I could serve you. So you need to listen to me in exchange. You'll get food, shelter, a hug, a comfort, a tickle, but you got to do what I ask you to do. That's your role. Your role isn't my role. But we've gotten away from that as a society because we have so many people feeding information that are basically unqualified, unresearched. But nowadays you can just get up and say stuff and it, we go for it. Right? We used to be against genital mutilation. Not too many years ago, people were against genital mutilation. Now we're all for it. How about that? We're all for it. We used to promote health and fitness. Now, it's a questionable behavior, and we're against it. Body positive. We used to be against foods that hurt your body. Now it's like, yeah, do, do whatever you want to do. And healthy food is more expensive than trash. Actually, being healthy is now trendy and kind of bourgeois. You have creepy people. Whenever I go to the healthy restaurant, there are creepy people there that have politicized eating. You know what? I just want an organic salad sandwich or whatever I eat. I have no political affiliations at all. I just want to eat healthy food. It doesn't mean anything other than I want to eat healthy food. But they politicize it. So you have to go to these creepy people. What's that place I like to go to and they say weird stuff to you? Yeah, I go to a place I just want to eat. And they say weird things to you. And if you don't respond a certain way, you're kind of looked at like that father who was protecting his kids. Huh? So again, we got to opt out. There's a limit. There are limits. Sustainability is a myth. We live in the upside-down world. Sustainability means unsustainable. You want to drive an electric car, it's like blood diamonds. Remember blood diamonds? Everybody forget that, where the people were dying to get these diamonds that weren't really valuable, but people assigned value to them, so girls were demanding that when, when girls and guys were getting married, or maybe guys and guys, girls, whatever's going on now, you, you get married, so well, I, I, you, one week of your pay, or what was it, a two months pay or three months pay should equal the diamond ring. So if you were, uh, if you were making 
a few hundred thousand a year. She'd get a big ring. It, it was just insane. Just completely insane. Now it's electric car. Everybody drives their Tesla or their whatever around say, I'm doing what I can for the planet. No, you just killed four of my cousins with that car. That car cost the life of four of my cousins and maimed a generation of people. So we have to push back the opt-outs, but it's only a few of you. So you have to be more like guerrilla warfare fighters. You gotta be, they got to lay low. Don't announce anything. Don't put bumper stickers on your car. Just get out of their way and sustain yourself. Right, Vin? Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, at least for me, Z, it starts with having that conviction, being able to trust yourself. And maybe it's always been that way, but it's more important, it feels like, in the world where you've got so much nonsense, not just nonsense, but nonsense that can put you in very dangerous directions. So if you combine nonsense with no limits, then you can just spiral into anything, into complete insanity. And that's where you need that conviction in yourself and your judgment. You have some willingness to step back from the crowd. I want to get into one of the points that you mentioned, which I thought was interesting, where you talked about how a lot of us are reflective and that we question ourselves, we've got a certain humility, but you don't want too much of that because you don't want to be swayed by people, as you mentioned, who might have very eloquent arguments. They can make something sound really good, but it doesn't work. It's a failed strategy. Uh, or we describe this when talking about the financial crisis. And you look at uh, some of the financial products that were sold back then. It was like you took the engine of a Ford Pinto and you, you put it in the body of a Ferrari. So it looked really great, but it didn't function. It didn't get you to where you wanted to go. What's the strategy around that? Because we do want to be open. We want to be open to new ideas. We want to look for better ways of doing things. Uh, we want to be humble and recognize that we don't always have the answers, but we don't want to be swayed by noise or by snake oil salesmen. And I'll just give you uh, some thoughts on how I go about this, and maybe you've got something to add, Z. Uh, for me, because I grew up this way, I grew up really focused on analysis and uh, looking at everything very analytically and in a very structured way. Uh, and as I've gotten older, I've put that aside. I mean, I still do some of that, but I've tried to rely a lot more on intuition and whether something feels right or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, I don't usually waste time trying to figure out why it's not right or what the problem is. I, I just don't engage. So if it's neutral or it feels potentially good, sure, I'll listen. Maybe I, I can learn something. But if it just sounds off, it's like, what's the point of wasting my time and energy even getting into a discussion? Uh, it's better to just say, forget it. This isn't worth my time. Or we're just coming at the world from, from two different points. We're never going to see eye to eye. And we can respect each other, or not respect each other, but we have no common ground. So that's at least how I've tried to deal with it, um, which also means that I've got less anxiety because it's less questioning oh, am I doing the right thing or am I not doing the right thing? I can have more of that conviction in myself. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, are there, how do we walk that line? I think steady intelligence. There's an old writing that what is the greatest type of intelligence is steady intelligence, meaning that you're always available to audit yourself, but you have foundations and ideas that are rooted deeply in the physics of being. And you want to be guarded against over being over emotionalism or allowing the ego 
to intrude upon your space and say, I want to be accepted. Once you uh, feel like you need to be accepted, you give up your intelligence uh, in, in, lieu, uh, or in exchange for general acceptance. So you want to throw that away and know that when you are working on steady intelligence, you open a book, you check yourself, you, you listen, you seek out wise and trusted counsel, but you're never lost. You never are, are, are insecure about what your findings are. And you don't always have to voice them to be accepted. Again, because if you voice them and you want people to appreciate your way, you may lose yourself. You want to be that person that could sit in a room of people with many different ideas, but leave with your own ideas. You get what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah, I, I like what they said, and maybe I will adapt some of this. But uh, some of this is bullshit. I won't, I, it is not for me. Or maybe it's a great thing for them, but it's not for me. Right? I have discussions all the time on people. I had a discussion the other day about um, intermittent fasting. So I intermittent fast, and I really enjoy it. It helps my digestion. I said, what about this article? And they showed me a scientific research paper that said fasting is bad. And I got into the article and I read it just because I, I really respect and honor the person that shared it with me. They're always sharing me great information. And I said, I see their point. Their point was what was missed in the discussion was that it was based on people who, um, uh, who advocate SAD. SAD is standard American diet. So if you're on a standard American diet, you're probably really close to being diabetic. So if you fast, you'll have gross glycemic anomalies in your body that will make you crash, uh, your blood pressure can spike, all sorts of things, because while you're fasting, you're not feeding yourself all these types of uh, things that spike your pancreas to produce insulin throughout the day. You're lowering your sugar, the sugar intake, and you're going to feel that. You're going to feel that crash. You might even have health issues from that. So for people who don't have healthy diets, Intermittent fasting is very, can be very challenging. Fasting itself can be deadly for people who are unhealthy. So before, what I mean by unhealthy is anybody who does the standard American diet. It's called SAD, standard American diet. You cannot do healthy things and do SAD. You understand? So the point being is I read the article with an open mind and I looked. And then I found, hey, this is interesting, so I need to preface whenever I promote fasting, if you, you need to be on a healthy diet before you do that. So I was enlightened, but I didn't lose my way. I didn't abandon my ideas, but my ideas became clear and more nuanced. That's what we're talking about. So you want to hold on. I've been to different people's places of worship, and you find out, hey, our underlying, certain underlying theme is uh, you know, you go to the Mormon church, they say, well, when do we, in order to go to heaven, you have to die and become white. When you die, you become white. I don't want to be in that religion. I get what you're saying. They got some great ideas. They make great cookies. But other than that, I'm not going for it. So I'm telling everybody, maintain steady intelligence. Within your own private home, set up ethics and rules there that you're not subject to being judged by the faceless committee of society telling you that your dad is toxic. You know what? Your dad worked his ass off. He's tired. Maybe he doesn't have a lot to say at the end of the day. So he's not a toxic masculine guy. He loves you and he sacrificed much of his life and his health so you can have a damn roof over your head. Because he fell in love with your mom when she was hot and cute. 
Those days are long gone, but he developed sentiment for the rest of the family, so he sacrificed his happiness for you. That doesn't make him a bad man. People tell you, oh, toxic. This was toxic masculinity. No, there's also, if it also, you ask people if they say toxic masculinity, is there something called toxic feminism? Yeah. Yeah. We can't have it all, people. Is anybody saying that you can't do it all? Don't freeze your eggs. Just accept the fact that you took a different route in life and you can't do it all. I'm telling you now, having kids at an older age is very challenging. I am here to tell you that. Love my kids is hard as shit, okay? Not in the way that, not hard, hard, like in working in the mine shaft hard. It's just different. It's a different kind of challenge. It's not for everybody. There's a reason they made young people more fertile. There's a reason nature did that. Trust Mother Nature. There are anomalies, there are ups Hey, you can manage. The intellect can help you navigate and adjust to a lot of things. Yet you've got to always trust Mother Nature. It's okay. She's not your enemy. All right? So, steady intelligence. Read the ingredients of the things you're eating. Sometimes break a book open and understand a lot of your behavior is being influenced by environmental factors, hormonal factors, and, and food-based uh, pathogens. It's okay. But hold your line. Maybe your behavior is egregious. If somebody points out egregious behavior in you or something you can work on, don't be mad at them. Don't call the police on them. Don't call the culture police on them. If you have someone has a different viewpoint on the world and politics than you, you don't have to recruit them into your side or make them your mortal enemy. Live and let live. Meet them where you meet them. I always say that. Meet people where you can and get off the bus where you need to get off the bus when you're in your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be a constant cultural battle. If you see something that's kind of weird, it probably is. Hockham's razor. It's not that heavy. If you have people with diverse cultural views, diverse social views, diverse lifestyles, meet them where you meet them. But keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Know who you are. If somebody's trying to recruit you into something that you're not real cool with, say, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. And if they can't accept that, they shouldn't be in your life. That's how we all, like Rodney King said, can we all get along? We can. But we have to have boundaries and healthy fences. That's all. A nice fence between neighbors doesn't mean you hate your neighbors. Understand where the easement is between people. That's all. So with your intelligence, you cultivate your intelligence. Sometimes people tell me stuff and I go and research, what is this all about? Then I go, wow, that, that's interesting. Or it's not interesting. Or maybe it's just weird. But be okay with you. Follow the, the classical principles. Observe the nature of the ego. Know that not everybody will accept you in life. Be okay with that. The most important people in your life is oftentimes the person that you go to sleep next to. If they're okay with you, you're probably okay. You got it, Vin? Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. I'll just summarize a few of the things we've been talking about that I find useful. 
which is get out of this need for validation because that's a lot of what sucks us in to this behavior without limits. And maintain that steady intelligence, Z, that you've been talking about. Maintain that conviction in yourself so that you're never lost. You've always got some foundational principles for how to get through this life. And I'll just add one more thing, which you touched on, that people have different perspectives for a lot of reasons. They may have different beliefs, different upbringings. And that's where I think this dispassionate observer idea that we talk about is so powerful. Because if you can step back from the arguments, the discussions, the data, you can see where people are coming from. And once you know where they're coming from, it becomes much easier to say, okay, is this something that is going to help me or not? Maybe it just doesn't apply to me. Uh, so, uh, just some thoughts, uh, Z, uh, to wrap us up. Sorry, I'm looking at this uh, text that you just sent me as we're talking. Um, but uh, yeah, I think let's have that that conviction and uh, just the clarity because uh, we, we need limits. Everyone needs limits. Uh, what I find interesting after setting the limits, a lot of times people are happy with those limits. It creates a sense of safety, a sense of trust. So you're afraid what's going to happen if I put some boundaries in my, around my kids or around my relationship. You know what? You're actually better off for it. The, the other people appreciate it. Everyone wins in that situation. So uh, just some of my closing thoughts. And Vin, I want to I just add that to you. You get me worked up. The ad I sent you was how to deal with your kids, how you can help reduce the harm of your children with social media. It was get outdoors, do things outdoors, basically what we were just talking about. Get back to nature. Kids like that, and they'll be less prone to be caught up in a lot of this volatile consumerism and all this sort of thing. And, and another thing that we always say, I always say there's now 8 billion people in 10 different stories. People aren't as interesting. When you meet people, within a few minutes of meeting them, they'll often reveal to you their underlying ideology. So if they meet you and they say, well, what, what pronoun do you need to be addressed in? You know where they're coming from. If they start the conversation, oh, the damn liberals, you know what they've been listening to, you know what news channel they're listening to. If they start by saying, oh, what about Trump? Well, you know what news station they've been listening to, and you know where their underlying ideology or theme. One of the good things you can do is simply listen and observe. Go back to classical greetings of people. Hey, nice to meet you. My name is so-and-so. What's up? And the next thing that comes out of their mouth will reveal a lot of their ideology about the world. And it will reveal to you who you are. Where is this conversation going to go? What, what is your sacred cow? And then from there, you know what, how high the fence needs to be or how low the fence. How far you can open the door or do you need to peek out of the peephole? Right? We're not as interesting as we think we are. Trust nature. Trust the sky above your head and the ground under your feet, and everything else is questionable. All right? All right. Yeah, I like that. Good life strategy. Call you next time. Peace. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.